This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. The fruitfulness is in the seed that you sow. It's not in the soil where you plant it. So what is the soil condition of your heart that God wants to plant the word into? Hi, I'm Carl Vaders, and welcome to The Church Lobby, Conversations on Faith and Ministry. My guest this episode is Diane Finkeldy. She's the author of several books, most recently the one we will be talking about, Unlock Your Bible, the How-To Study Guide for Everyday Christians. In this episode, we talk about not just the importance of reading the Bible, but how to read it in a way that the everyday person can understand it, appreciate it, and do what it says. And don't forget to stick around when the interview is done. I'll come back with an overview of the content and some practical takeaways. Well, welcome, Diane. It is so good to have you with us on the podcast today. Thank you, Carl. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having invited me. Oh, you're very welcome. We're, we're, the biggest challenge for this one was coordinating time zones. It was, yes. Yes, exactly. I'm in California, and as you can tell by her beautiful accent, she comes from down under, specifically Perth. Perth, yes. Right? <laughs> the hidden secret. <laughs> I actually, before we get into the book, I actually wanted to take a moment on that. I'm a bit of a geography nerd. And so I keep hearing those who've been to Perth are like, yeah, this is the place you need to go. But Perth has a really interesting, I don't know if to call it challenge or problem or whatever it is geographically. I see if I've got this correctly. It is the most remote big city in the world. Is that the way yes. to phrase it? Yes, it is. It is. Our nearest capital city is about a 26 hour straight drive away. <laughs> so uh, if you are in any other major city in the world the next major city will be closer than any other major city is to perth <laughs> is that yeah, how i have like that yeah, yeah something yes, like that. yes. It, it's, something it's like hard that. to describe but yeah it's even within australia so the closest big city to you would be what melbourne maybe or oh within australia adelaide yeah but the closest big city is outside of australia oh that would be singapore or oh, Bali, okay. up okay. that way. A lot yeah. of West Australians fly up to Bali for a holiday because ah. it's closer and cheaper than flying across the nation. Oh, that's oh, that. Oh, and if you go the other great. way, it's Johannesburg. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> so if you fly from Perth, about 11 hours or so, you land in Johannesburg. Well I, get, well, I mean, think about this. We're talking about here in the U.S., we think we have long flights. And for me, as much as I fly, it does feel long. But you know, when you're talking 11 hours just to get to somewhere <laughs> other than yeah. where you are, which is yeah. obviously somewhere, that's a challenge. Yeah, so it's um, a six-hour flight from Perth to Brisbane. Oh, there we go. Okay. Nevertheless, that's a... So yeah, that's the other thing. People don't realize the size of Australia. I believe Australia is larger by square miles than the continental U.S. So coast to coast is about the same as maybe even longer than New York to LA. Yeah, it's a huge nation. 
Yeah, it's yeah it was, not a desert it, in the middle, mind you. But yeah, I was born in Canada, so there's a lot of geographical similarities. The Canadians and the Australians live in very small portions on the edges of their country, yes. <laughs> and do. there's a whole we bunch do. of vast vastness in the middle with very few. In people. the middle, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. That that fascinates me. Let's get to the stuff that <laughs> hopefully that I believe will fascinate our listeners as well, which is you've written a book called Unlock Your Bible, uh, the how to study guide for everyday Christians. And I had a chance to uh, read an advanced copy of it. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. When I first saw the title, I thought, OK, I'll read it because I know Diane, actually, I know your husband, John, even more. And I trust that what they do is good. But I, how is somebody going to say something new about how to read the Bible? And lo and behold, you did. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you did. And I think the, the key to it is the last couple of words of the subtitle, which is that it's for everyday Christians. Yes. So where did this idea come from to write uh, this particular book for everyday Christians to help them understand their Bible better? I actually did a lot of the chapters that are in there, the exercises within my small group. And I mean, I love the word. The word is amazing. I spend ages in the word, studying, reading, meditating. And then I just, I don't know, it must have been God, I suppose, but it was like, start writing what you're doing. And then I just kept going. And then the book evolved, really. But I thought, wow. yeah, people need to know how to study the word. People need to know how to get into it. And especially now with the way churches have gone, um, where a lot of, you know, your Bible is on, is tech, it's on your phone and scriptures are on the screen in, in the churches. So people don't even take their Bibles to churches or look at their phones anymore in a service. And I'm thinking there's a whole lack in there of people being able to actually get in there because it's different also studying in a book bible than it is on a screen it's very different and yeah. so i just thought yep let's write all this down and so basically each chapter is different things that i've actually done in the word yeah it, it doesn't surprise me to hear that that's where it came from because when i'm reading it i get the sense of okay this is very practical this is not someone who's thinking about this this is someone who's done this quite yeah. regularly who is very comfortable with knowing how to handle and let the word speak to you rather than speaking into it, which of course is the, the point of it. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people that, that can proof text it and figure out how to make it say what they want it to say, but that's not your yes. approach. Your approach is what no. we call exegesis, not eisegesis. That is, what does the Bible actually say and how do we determine that for ourselves? It's fascinating because as pastors, we, as we should, encourage people to read scripture, spend the day in scripture. Our church, for instance, for the last couple of years has read through the entire Bible together as a congregation, and we've given them, here's your Bible reading plan, read these verses on these days. But what you do is a step further, more than simply saying, read your Bible, and even more than giving them a plan of which verses to read when. When you read the book, it feels like you're sitting next to them, and you're saying, okay, now open the book, open the Bible. And now today we're going to read from this particular book, John or Genesis or Psalms. And now when you get there, the person looks at you and goes, okay, I, I can read the words, but this is, how do I read it to actually get something out of it? And it feels like you're sitting there saying, okay, now do this when you get to this point. Walk us through, the book is divided, of course, old and new, but then also in the sections of the Bible. Walk us through a little bit that organizational structure of your book. 
Oh, it's it's more topical than working my way through the scriptures. And can I just say I am not against mm-hmm. scriptures on the screens in churches. It's hugely beneficial because yeah. sometimes it's the only times people in our churches actually read the scriptures. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm aware of that with busy lives. So I just need to say that I'm not against that. And it's, it's more topical. I think the book it's how tos. How like how to do a book study or how to do a character study or how to dissect a verse. I'm very much an ABC person. Mm-hmm. So like when you get some of Paul's long sentences, I like right. to take, okay, let's take out all what he's added in to work out exactly what he's saying. Because he might right. say, this is an example, but he might say, I took, I took my dog on a cold wintry day who was wearing a red coat for a walk. And, and there's a comma between each. And you're like, well, hang on. Is he trying to tell me that my dog should wear a red coat or is he actually (laughs) telling me that I need to take my dog for a walk? Yeah, yeah. It's taking out all these extra bits that he's added in. Right. Work out what he's actually saying. Yeah, you give us a way of actually looking at that uh, very purposefully and you walk it through so that, you know, in the Old Testament, take a look at, for instance, in the Old Testament or in the prophets, you say, take a look at this particular thing as you're going through the prophets. And then when you get to the New Testament, like you said, you talk about how, how to look at the life of Jesus, how to look at what the Apostle Paul is saying, who was this letter written to, and so on. But before that, actually, one of the things that I, I love how you established the book from the beginning was you say there are seven different ways to approach Bible reading. Uh-huh. And most people, when they talk about how to read your Bible, pick one, two, maybe three of these and talk about them like this is the only way to do it and might even pick one or two of these and go, oh, that's not a way to read the Bible at all. You look at all seven of them and you give us the value of all seven. So would you mind walking us through what those seven are and just a short piece of what the value is of, of each of those. You may have to do what I've had to do a couple of times in interviews, which is actually look up my own book. My notes. Yes. To know what I'm walking notes. through. I yeah, do. Exactly. Okay. So the seven ways are basically doctrinally, which is the basic doctrine that all churches have, all Christians believe, you know, the Trinity and Father, Son, Holy Spirit and Jesus, life, death and resurrection. They're the kind of basics. And so I think they pretty much come in a new believers course in a church. Somebody comes into the church, right. gives their life to Christ. They lead them through the basic doctrines of that kind of thing. And then there's theology. Now, I'm not a theologist, but if you want to get into theology, then I think a person really needs to go to a Bible college and do a theological course where right. it goes way into Greek and Hebrew and all that kind of theology kind of stuff. We can know the Bible factually which I think a lot of people do when anyone who's been to kids' church when they were young or Sunday school know that. They can tell you that, you know, the Moses boat landed on Mount Ararat or David was the king of Judah or, you know, Moses crossed the Red Sea. They know facts about the Bible. Another way then, it's insight and revelation. Insight of revelation is like when you can know something but then it drops from your head to your heart to become a part of your belief system. Right. So you can know, say that, you know, don't steal. You know, the Bible says don't steal and you can think don't steal, but then it becomes a revelation to like, God really does not want me to steal. So it drops from your head into your heart. And so then when you see a $20 note on somebody's desk at work, it does not even cross your mind that you would pick that up and steal it. It becomes a part of who you are and your whole life value system. Okay, right. then number uh, six is 
up close, I guess, and in an expanded view. And I liken this to like being like a drone so that a drone can come right in, zero right in and look at a word or look at a phrase or look at a character or, you know, looking at something up close, really close, or they can zoom out and have a look at the whole picture of what was happening in that particular time in history. So like, you know, you could zoom over the Red Sea and see it parting, but then to stop and go, okay, hang on a minute, let's zoom right in. How high were the waves? And what did the people think? And how long did it take all those people to get across the Red Sea before Pharaoh and, you know, all the Egyptians were following? So it's kind of a, a zoom in and look at what exactly is happening and zoom out and get your overall picture. The seventh one was experientially, which is what I, I love to do in my character studies and various things is I'll actually put myself into the story. And that's part of, I think, what you were saying also, having your church having a reading plan, which is brilliant. And a lot of people will read the Bible, but they don't actually stop and pause and go, what did that feel like? Where did mm-hmm. that happen? Why did that happen? Why did God respond the way that he responded? How would I have reacted? Or what if I would have done in the same situation? Yeah. And that's, I think, also where it comes to the teacher in me. I had to learn, okay, you can know a whole pile of facts and which pastors need as well. You can know a whole pile of facts, but how do I apply them if they apply into our lives today? Yeah. And I think John John taught me when I was commenced out preaching because I would want to give people all this head knowledge and say, yes, nice to give head knowledge, <laughs> but what are yeah. they going to do with it? So that's where I started at the top of my sermons. I always write for myself, what do I want them to know and what do I want them to do so that they can yeah. walk out of the service with head knowledge, but also an action of what they can actually do to put yeah. what I've taught them into operation. Yeah, it's one of the things that I really appreciate because, like I said earlier, there are some people who typically have one or two approaches. And so those who will approach it in the first two, like doctrinally or theologically, will sometimes look down upon those who use it uh, for insight or in an experience way. Like, oh, you're not supposed to put yourself in the story. Well, yeah, you can and should, as long as you have the other, as long as you're not just picking up the Bible every single time and going, okay, what does it mean today? But you talk about, no, that's not where you start. You start with, what did it mean to them then and there? How did did these people react? And then out of that, there should be some place where you relate to it, because otherwise, how are you going to act upon it? But you balance all of that out. So you don't have the experience not based on theology, and you don't have the theology that doesn't lead to experience. We want to have both. Yes, you've got to have both. And now a short break to talk about something else. If you like the content you're hearing, here are two things you can do for us. First, forward this podcast to a friend. Second, consider becoming a financial supporter through Patreon, Venmo, or PayPal. Just go to carlvaders.com slash support. For as little as $3 a month, you can help us put these resources into the hands of the ministries that need them the most. Our support link is in the show notes. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. 
these stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith. Because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Now, this is really uh, very specifically designed for, as you say in the subtitle, for everyday Christians. It feels to me like, in fact, in the endorsement that I wrote for it, I think I mentioned that the first thing it reminded me of somewhat was the, I think, 30-year-old book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, Mm. which has been read by, I think, a couple million times, and almost every Bible college student has had it, and I got so much out of it, and it continues to be such a great help. But it comes almost entirely from that theological and doctrinal thing where it tells you, here's how this section of the Bible is written and how to read it that way. And it's really great for the person who's training for full-time ministry to understand it at an academic level. But the average person isn't going to pick it up and go, okay, but how do I live this out? That's not what that book is for. So I'm not putting the book down. That's not what it's for. Yeah. If somebody's read that and then picks up your book, they're going to go, oh, we've just taken it out of the head and into the hands and feet. Yeah, that's, that's how a good way to me. describe it. That's a good way to describe it. And each chapter, there's a lot of, um, I include exercises Yes. You know, questions for people to ask and, you know, ask yourself right now, um, like one of the chapters I do, the word pictures. I love the word pictures in the Bible. They're just brilliant, you know, as the deer pants for the water. So my soul longs for you. It's a word picture. You know, there's a lot. I think there's seven. There's the sword and the lamp and the light and the hammer and there's another one. It's like I talk about the seed, the word being a seed that you plant and the condition of the soil, whereas the fruitfulness is in the seed that you sow. It's not in the soil where you plant it. So then I ask, so what is the soil condition of your heart that God wants to plant the word into? And is the word producing in your life a 30-fold, 60-fold or 100-fold fruit back to God? Yeah. And that, that I think is where the the description I had earlier, that it feels like you're sitting next to somebody showing them how to do it. That's where it kicked in for me was you didn't just say, okay, here's a lesson plan, or here's even questions to ask. You would then multiple times go, for instance, let's take a look at this book, or let's take a look at this passage and walk through and let me show you how to do a character study on what it would look like for these particular characters. It's concrete examples of it that make it really easy for even people who don't read regularly, but certainly people who read regularly may not know even how to read the Bible because it's just a different reading experience than it is if you regularly read novels or if you regularly read textbooks. It's a different experience. So you come along and go, okay, in this passage now, let's take a look at, isn't this wonderful how this is laid out here for this particular character? Or is it Titus, I think, that you lay out one of the shorter books in the New Testament? Trying to yeah, remember. chapter of Titus 1. Yeah, how did yeah. I say chapter? Yeah, what is Paul saying? Yes. And you actually walk through that actual chapter and show it. And then somebody can go, oh, okay. I see how that's done now. It really has that kind of a very personal experience. And I love that so much. You also talked a little bit, I'm trying to find it here. We were talking earlier before we started recording that I read the book on the plane, took highlights of it, but because I was on the airplane, 
I wasn't on Wi-Fi and I lost all my highlights. <laughs> so I'm now I'm searching through a blank book to find all these places that I put highlights and went, oh wow, or this is so cool. And I've got to, I've got to find it again. In chapter five, you talk about diving deep instead of skimming across the surface. So the first four chapters are really are about how to simply just just read it, kind of help people relax with it a little bit. You don't have to you're not taking on this monumental, overwhelming thing that only geniuses can do. Yeah. You really help people feel comfortable. But then you do say, but we can go deep. We do need to go deep. Mm-hmm. And then you walk through how to dive deep and you do some simple things like you tell them to ask questions such as who wrote this letter? Who was yes. the letter written to? Why was it written? What topics can it be divided into? And what I love about this and the way you proceed through the whole book is none of these questions requires the reader to go to a commentary or to Bible study guides. It's in the text. So you really let, yeah, you really help people let the text speak for the text rather than Mm. getting an outside opinion. So talk us through the importance of that. Uh, I do use the new King James version. I like that because it's, I think it's probably the closest to the original, but then out of that, when you hit words and concepts, I launch into you know with on my bible program other versions that are paraphrased versions and then just increases the understanding and the expounds some of times of what they what the new king james is saying right yeah you bounce out of the actual text yeah but you do uh, you said it's closest to the original just for those because i know every once in a while the translation thing right, can be an yeah, issue for new. people new king james isn't the closest to the original as in closest to the king james that's not the original neither your i believe that yes, the original yes, we're talking no. yes, the greek sorry, and the hebrew yes. <laughs> no yes, i and, sorry, thank you, you for that you did, yeah, you did not misstate that i just know some people want to pounce on these things when they oh, have the opportunity okay, to so let's yes, let's protect yes. both of us on that one <laughs> Yeah, because a lot of then, then you know, like the paraphrased versions, it's somebody like the message, they've taken it and written it for their grandchildren or their children, and then right. it's gone global. So it's right. it's somebody's putting the Bible into their own words, if you right. like. Paraphrases have a role and paraphrase, but paraphrases, one of the things that people sometimes forget when they're looking at and they'll cut, compare a paraphrase to say the King James or whatever. And although this is not what it means, this is not quite exactly the detail. It's not meant to be exact. No. It's meant no. for a different purpose to, like you said, to, to read to your kids or to read to a brand new believer who needs the overall message. And then later on, yeah. they'll pick up a more exact translation for a more accurate picture of nuanced things. And uh, you you do go through some of the value of the different types of translations, what they're used for, which is really helpful as well. Again, the, on the practicality of it, like chapter six, you walk through how to literally, when you sit down and you open your Bible, what physical things should you do? Like you even say during your morning coffee, listening while you're driving in the car, uh, you know, <laughs> yes. have a daily scripture sent to your phone. It is so, you know, read it, read a Bible story to your kids. So many different ways that the Bible can be naturally a part of the way we live our lives in a very simple way. But then the really, yeah. one of the things that fascinated me was chapter seven is entitled how to recall at night what you read in the morning. Yes. So, I'm going to just ask you that quick. How do you recall at night what you read in the morning? Because you're in the morning there tomorrow. So you're conscious and alert. And I'm at the end of my day here in California. And I am slightly <laughs> less conscious and yes. slightly less alert. How do yes. I remember right now what I read this morning? All right. So that that whole chapter um, bounces into how to meditate in the word, 
which is slowing down, thinking through it. And I liken it um, that I'm sitting having a coffee and there's an ant walks across the table. And I look at the ant and I think, oh, there's an ant. That's nice. And then I get up and start my day. So that's like reading. You get up in the morning, you read a whole bundle of stuff, you read a chapter, you're like, read, I've read my Bible, and then you're up and you're into your word, off to work. But then when you meditate, you actually look at that little ant and you go, oh, there's an ant walking across my table. And you get out your magnifying glass. And then you look at that little ant and you can see its six legs and you can see its eyelashes and you go, wow. And then you get up and go on with your day. So you'll find that often during the day then and at night, you will see that little ant walking across your table. And so it actually comes back. You've got more chance of by pausing and meditating, even for a few minutes on a word or a thought, that it will stay with you and come back to you when you put your head on the pillow at night. There we go. I've often thought of meditating is basically the same muscles as worrying only towards a positive end rather than towards a negative yeah, that's end. That's a good thought. <laughs> when you're worrying, you are meditating about the bad things that might come into your life. When you it's meditate true. on God's word, it's, you're, it's the same practice. So everybody knows how to meditate. We just call it worry. Uh, so reverse the object of that thoughtfulness True. and worry becomes meditating on God's word. I think, I think there's a lot that's really in that. It's an interesting question to ask partway through the day. What did I read this morning? And if you can't remember, mm. then you know it's not stuck. Whereas if you say, what did I meditate on this morning? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that little ant walking across the table. That was good. I enjoyed that. Okay, so if it isn't sticking partway through the day, how do we adjust the next day to help us stick partway through the day? Yeah, maybe just pause. Okay. Pause, you, and that can be, you know, you just read and then you read and you think, oh, that's a good thought. Or oh, look at that word and just stop. And meditating doesn't take hours. It can do, but it can just go, that's a good thought. What did he mean by that? Or yeah. why did God respond like that? It's just, just us pausing, I guess. It's very similar to how people say to remember names. When you're first introduced to somebody and you hear their name, I and many others like me are notorious at just letting that skim by. And then three seconds later, you've forgotten it because you just weren't paying attention. Yeah. But if you pause for a moment, hear it so that you can repeat it back to them yeah. within the next 30 seconds of the conversation, it's likely to stick with you later as well. And it's similar in reading God's word, just mindfulness. It's not about getting through the verses as much as it is paying attention to what's being said and being mindful of what's being said. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. On the thought also of reading is the Bible is really the only book that people read from comma to comma or verse to verse. Whereas one of the chapters I have is read a book like a book. Yes. Just start the book and forget the chapter headings, forget the verses, forget and read from full stop to full stop. And you find yep. that it actually you get a different picture of what's being said, that if you stop at a comma, you know, you don't get the whole concept of what's being said in that sentence. And that's easy because Paul writes really long sentences. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very true. I, I wish there were... I know there are some, but I wish there were more commonly found Bibles that were written across the page rather than in columns, because that helps us in our in our reading form. For those of us who are readers, the moment it's in columns, it just feels different. It interrupts your reading far more often. In fact, there was one that I had years ago. It was across the page, and the verse and chapter numbers were written in the margins on the outside. They didn't actually interrupt the line. Okay. 
And I don't know of any, I'm sure it's around somewhere today. I think that would be a, not the only way to read the Bible, maybe not even the main way, certainly not the best format for studying it, but for yeah. reading it in the way that you're talking about where we're getting whole thoughts yeah. rather than chopping it up by these later editions of chapter and verse numbers, which are not part of the inspired word. They were added later they were as a help. The beginning. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's yeah. put them there. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's really, really helpful. Again, you, you've written this book primarily for the average Christian. I really encourage pastors to read it themselves and to use it as a way to help them understand God's word better. In fact, we're going to go into the lightning round soon, but uh, stick around because you and I are going to have a short chat afterwards, and we're going to include it not in this podcast, but in the bonus material. So anybody who's listening, if you have not yet subscribed to the carlvaders.com newsletter, or if you're not a sponsor, either way, you can get all the bonus material whenever we do it for any of these podcasts. So go to carlvaders.com and subscribe or become a sponsor through the link in the show notes here. And then you will get all the bonus material whenever we have a podcast. So we're going to talk in the bonus material specifically to pastors about how to use the processes you talk about in this book to study the Bible better so you can teach the Bible better, plus how to use it to help your congregation become more consistent Bible readers and to get more out of it when they read the Bible for themselves. So that's the bonus material that we're going to point you to in a moment. But before we get to that, let's wrap up this podcast with the lightning round questions. Are you ready for these? I'm ready. All righty, here we go. What are the biggest changes you've seen in your field of ministry in the last few years, and how have you adapted to it? Oh, my ministry specifically is basically for pastors' wives. And so God is currently writing church history for women in that a pastor's wife no longer needs to fit into a one-size-fits-all box that she's put into, but she can be released into her giftings and her abilities and stand alongside her man with an equal call of God rather than behind him. Yeah, that's a huge change. And it has, <laughs> as you've mentioned, it has some very positives. I think it also has some challenges because now, rather than just simply automatically doing what you've seen done by every other pastor's wife forever, you really do have to figure out what God is calling you to do very specifically. So there is a freedom to it, but that freedom also comes with challenges and responsibilities. Yeah, so, it does, totally. Next one, what's the best piece of ministry advice you've ever received? That would be be yourself. Don't mm. take on the pastor's wife that I grew up under, but to actually be who God, the woman that God wants me to be. Yeah, be yourself. Amen. Very good. And then the fourth one and final one, what's the funniest or weirdest thing you've ever seen in church? Uh, we were in a, we were, John was preaching in a visiting church and the worship leader was a big guy, big Islander guy. And he went to worship and then he said, let's kneel down and let's just worship the Lord. And I tend to be a woman with my eyes open in a service. He put his guitar down, turned around, knelt down and then bent over. And I'm looking at this man's revealed bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Because his jeans slipped right down as oh, they do. Oh, no. Well, that'll like, teach you oh not to goodness. close your eyes during prayer. <laughs> like, quick, shut your eyes. Is this the blessing for the guest speaker's wife or is this, what is this? You know, I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, hey, if, if people want to follow up with you on this or, e or even your, uh, your pastor's wife material online, how can the people find you online to follow up? 
For pastors' wives, I have a Facebook group called Conversations with Women in Ministry. They can join that. And I have a webpage, diefinkeldy.co. They can follow up with me with that. They can get in contact or friend me up on Facebook. That's fine. Great. And we'll put links to all of that in the show notes for folks, including to your other books as well, so people can find whatever they need, all that information from you on, on Pastor's Wife Things, as well as on this wonderful book about how to how to read the Bible and to really get uh, an understanding of it by letting the Bible speak for itself uh, in some very simple ways, but not simplistic mm-hmm. ways at all, to be able to just read for the joy of it, or to dive deeper, whichever you want to do, this book is very helpful. Thank you so much, Diane, for your time today. Thank you for having me. I love the heart of Diana that comes out when she talks about her love of scripture. Here are a few of my takeaways. First, we need to let the Bible explain the Bible. Bible guides and commentaries have their place, but let's start by spending time in the text itself, letting God the Spirit speak to us through its pages. If we give ourselves to that, He will speak to us through it. Secondly, what we read will stick with us if we take even just a moment or two to pause while we're reading it, to think about what we're reading, and to ask what it means. And thirdly, No matter how much you've read and studied the Bible, even if you've taught it to others for decades like I have, there's always something more we can learn about how to take God's Word even deeper into our hearts and lives. This episode was produced by Veronica Beaver. It was edited by Phil Vaders. Original theme music was written and performed by Jack Wilkins of jackwilkinsmusic.com. The graphic design is by Solomon Joy. And me, I'm Carl Vaders. And I hope to talk with you again in the church lobby. This episode was brought to you in part by Just These Guys, you know? A pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology, empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just These Guys, you know?